0: Mental Podcast. This is episode 117 and my guest this week is Elliot Ray who is the founder and editor-in-chief at Music Football Fatherhood which you will hear us refer to in this episode as MFF and MFF is a parenting platform for men which is all about open conversations around fatherhood and has been described by the BBC as the dad's version of Mumsnet. And after the traumatic birth of his daughter, Elliot struggled with his mental health and he went without help for over a year and he would eventually get the help he needed and be diagnosed with PTSD. And he started writing about his experiences as a new dad and his experiences with his mental health and his writing would go on to become the MFF platform and he has now supported thousands of dads since starting in 2016. He's considered one of the UK's most prominent speakers and writers on topics around fatherhood, masculinity, mental health, equal parenting and gender equality. And that's exactly the sort of stuff that Elliot and I talk about in this episode. We talk about him becoming a dad and the impact that that had on all aspects of his life. We talk about the birth of his daughter and the mental health challenges that he faced afterwards and everything that led to him being diagnosed with PTSD. We also chat about setting up MFF and the incredible work that they do. And we chat about parenting, being dads, being husbands, masculinity and everything in between. And this is a really, really cool episode. Um, Elliot and I got on really well. It was like talking to a mate. And depending on how long you've been listening to this podcast and how much you know about me, but you might know that my problems with my mental health were kind of started in 2016 after the birth of my son. And although that wasn't the cause for me, it was certainly a catalyst for what would happen over the next few years. So as you can imagine, Elliot and I had a lot to, a lot to talk about and a lot in common. It's a big conversation. We talk a lot about the birth of his daughter and how that affected him and everything that happened to him and happened to his wife and everything that they went through together and it is a challenging listen and I don't put like trigger warnings on my episodes or anything like that but I think that if stories around childbirth and pregnancy and hospital wards and that sort of stuff if that's going to be a bit close to home for you I just want to let you know that we spend a lot of time there because obviously it underpins everything that Elliot now does and everything that we talk about in this episode. Elliot's able to articulate his experience wonderfully and he speaks with a real uh, knowledge and compassion about it, you know? So we handle it really, really well, but there is a lot there to, to take on board. It's a challenging listen, like I say. So like I said before, Elliot and I really hit it off and we talk a lot in this episode and there's so many things that he does that we either didn't get to or kind of only got to scratch the surface of. And I'm pretty sure he's gonna be on again at some point because it felt like we just left so much on the table, but you can only cover so much properly, right? There's a couple of things that I think would be really beneficial for you to know about that we kind of touch on didn't quite get into and the first one is Elliot's book which is a compilation of stories from the MFF team so Elliot's brought all these stories together he's got a chapter as well and it's all about fatherhood and being a dad and love mental health masculinity relationships all that sort of stuff it's a wonderful read it's a moving read it's an inspiring read and it really does open up a lot of conversations you know a build up to me becoming a dad and everything that happened afterwards I wish this book had been available then I think if I'd have been able to read it then I think I would have found a lot of comfort in it I would have found a lot of support in it and maybe things could have been a bit different for me and I think there's probably a lot of dads who can say that so it's highly worth checking that out whether you're a dad or not really the other thing I want to tell you about is Elliot's documentary it came out in 2022 it's presented by Elliot and it's currently on the BBC iPlayer it's called Becoming Dad and it kind of explores Elliot's story and it brings up issues about dad's mental health and equal parenting and work-life balance and all this sort of stuff and it really brings that into the mainstream you know primetime bbc it's a wonderful watch Elliot's stories in there they talk to his wife as well and elliot visits other dads who have their own sort of challenges around this stuff going on and it really shines a light on all this sort of stuff and to have that on Like I say, primetime telly its a really special thing. It's on iPlayer. There's links in the episode notes. Go and give it a watch. It was on my notes to kind of chat to Elliot all about that process and putting it together, but we didn't really get near it. But I watched that in my prep for the episode, and I've watched it a couple of times. Highly recommended. So the links to that are in the episode notes. The links to MFF are in the notes. Everything that Elliot does, all in the notes. So go and have a look. Give him a follow. Check it out. And if you want to get hold of me, all that stuff is in the episode notes as well. And this is episode 117 of the proper mental podcast with elliot ray thank you very much for listening enjoy So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast and my guest this week is Elliot Ray. How are you mate? Yeah, good, good, good. Not bad. How you doing? How you doing, Tom? I'm doing good, mate. I'm doing good. Yeah. Thank you for asking and thank you for joining me today, mate. I really um I really really appreciate it. I kind of thought that the the best place to start um with all this stuff would be with yourself mate you know and i was wondering like um before you became a dad and before all this you know all the work that you do now when you were like a, a young man and growing up did you always want to be a dad was that was that kind of the plan for you i think so yeah yeah yeah, yeah i didn't have like a time scale on it it wasn't like when i get this age i want to be a father
1: and I, like it wasn't like that at all but i've always i guess wanted to be a dad you know I, growing up i don't think it was something that i overly thought about to be honest i was too conservative like football and uh, music and other stuff (laughs) that young men are into so I wasn't necessarily thinking about being a dad but yeah definitely in my late 20s it was something that I, I, I you know I wanted definitely
0: yeah it kind of comes on you doesn't it as you like as you journey through life you just like I'd never really thought about it until we were talking about it. And then it's like, Oh yeah. I kind of think I'm all right with this, you know? And then it, yeah, it creeps up. So, you know, yeah, that happens. And we're on that journey through life. And then, you know, you find out you're going to be a dad and that's like, that's an exciting time. It's a funny time for dads though, isn't it? Through the pregnancy, I think. It can be, it can be. I think, you know, talking to a lot of dads, they feel,
1: or some can feel a little bit like a third wheel in the process and i think that's maybe partly just due to us as men we don't really think about fatherhood so much you know before we are going to become dads i think you know for for a lot of women obviously not all, not all women but a lot of expectant mums maybe they have thoughts about that from from a from from yeah from, for for ages and obviously their body is going through a massive change obviously so that is something they they're, they're growing with and they're connecting with physically and mentally and emotionally. Whereas for a lot of dads, because they are not necessarily part of the process like that in a physical way, um, they they sometimes find it you know difficult to to connect with it and find out and figure out what what their role is in the whole process. Um, you know, we try to encourage dads to like think about what father what kind of father they want to be you know, before their baby is is born which I think is really important you know it's really important not to say that you're going to have it all figured out and you're going to know exactly what kind of dad you want to be and everything but just having a conversation with your partner thinking for yourself about what kind of relationship you want with your baby is good yeah. you know this, this is a massive life change
0: so putting some thought into it <laughs> and preparation it's only a sensible thing to do right Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I love that way of looking at it, because I think it's really easy for dads to kind of um, to want to feel connected to that process to get caught up in the practicalities of it, like, Mm -hmm. you know, decorating a nursery, building a cart, and doing all this like, you know, quote unquote dad stuff. Um, But there's a massive gap between being sort of practically ready and being emotionally ready, you know, that's mm. the, that's the bit where people kind of fall down that gap, you know, it's a, uh, mm. it's tough, isn't it? On, as uh, you were like preparing for the birth and stuff, mate, did you go to like classes? Did you do all that sort of, that sort of yeah. stuff on the build-up? Yeah, we did. So we,
1: before we got married, actually, we went to marriage prep and that was amazing. It was with our our church leader at the time, him and his wife. And it was me, Sneni, my wife, and about four other couples And it was over two weekends and it was great because they spoke through so much around expectations in the house around, you know, who's going to do the bins, who's going to like just just how you're going to live together and what you want from marriage. And that was amazing. That was so, so good. Again, going into a massive life change, you know, having that preparation and doing that thinking is just so important. So when bumps come up you've already thought about it obviously you don't have a plan that you just stick to religiously but you've already thought about this scenario you've had a conversation about expectations and so it just makes everything a lot easier you're going into it knowing what the other person is thinking and so that was so good so when it came to us having our daughter we did the same thing we went to baby prep and this time it was just us and my church leader and his wife and they had three kids and I always remember him being in the uh in the dining room around his table and he had on some of those some of those uh you know construction type headphones the noise cancelling headphones <laughs> and he was just sitting at the kitchen table on his laptop with his headphones on and the kids just running around <laughs> and he was like yeah this is just like how i spend a sunday afternoon just with these headphones on it's great you know and uh now i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> but yeah he just he just sat down with us for uh, an afternoon And just talked about, again, expectations, you know, things about who's going to do the night feeds uh, when it comes to work, how are you going to set up your working arrangements? You know, what kind of parents do you want to be? What's the vision for your family? That kind of stuff. So that that was amazing. That was really, really good. And we also did hypnobirthing as well, which ended up being a lifesaver. Like hypnobirthing is so good. You know, if you could afford to go, I would definitely recommend going because basically it's just like helps. It helps you to, really think consciously about the birth and gives you tools to help navigate like the challenges within the birth and also helps you develop a birthing plan as well. And so for me as a dad, and, you know, we were talking about dad sometimes feeling a little bit alienated from the process of pregnancy and birth hypnobirthing for me was amazing because it gave me a role. So I kind of understood in that room, I was prepared. I understood exactly what I can do and what my partner is expecting me to do and some of that was just basic stuff like breathing exercises like we learned breathing exercises and we would do them together you know practice at home before and then in the labour room we would like doing the exercises that we'd learned um they would teach you about communicating with the midwife because obviously a lot of the time if you're the birthing partner you are the go-between you know and you're discussing um what's next and you're helping to make the plans especially if your partner's not in a in a position to be able to communicate you know so so yeah it it, it was good so good like hypnobirthing was amazing I learned so much from that it was really good yeah I love this You remember though sorry one quick story go on really funny I um so we had a hypnobirthing class I think that every two weeks for about a couple of months or something and most of the times the dads would come unless they couldn't make it, but yeah, nine times out of ten, the dads would be there, and I remember I went to about four sessions, and then I missed one, I think I had a work thing, I couldn't go to one, and um, <laughs> and then I came back the week after, and the hypnobirthing teacher was like, so I want to thank all the dads here, you know, we had some absent fathers hit last week, and I was like, wait a minute, are you labeling me an absent father already, I missed one hypnobirthing session, guys, like, come on, I am not an absent father, but yeah, that just, that tickled <laughs> me, that was quite funny
0: yeah that's it man crikey the the, the very uh that term can get thrown out pretty quickly eh? (laughs) by the sound of things yeah yeah definitely so we have all that um like prep going into it and I love the idea of like treating it like it is like this massive life event because I think when something when it's something that like loads of us do and it's very normal and it's part of the circle of life um sometimes we just kind of like get on with it and let it play out but yeah it makes so much sense to me to treat it as a big deal because it is a big deal and then to try and prepare yourself more for it it's certainly something I wish I'd done I kind of went in went in blind we went and did the classes and it was like a four-week course and the last one was the labour and um, my wife said to me she said I don't want to know I don't want to see it we'll just go so we said we just bailed on the last one so going into the delivery room I'd like no other than watching like seeing it on EastEnders or something that's that's it that was my only reference point and uh, but looking back now that you know we probably should have we probably should have gone. <laughs> so yeah. You know that's a good point though because I think there is and like
1: even in my work I'm always trying to get that balance especially with expectant dads of the reality of what could happen and just because my experience is one way doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be everyone's experiences at all that's that's not the truth at all but you do want to prepare people for the potential of what is you know not likely to happen but there's a good chance something could go wrong so preparing people for that but also not scaring people and giving them uh, you know some anxiety when actually they don't, they don't need to worry because it'd probably be fine so so yeah it's a hard balance isn't it of getting that right it's difficult
0: yeah definitely and you know kind of like with that in mind mate so when you were going into um into the birth of your daughter you felt quite ready I suppose as ready as you mm. can be going into it yeah, yeah. Um, and it it wasn't straightforward for you was it mate? Yeah no I felt, so I felt really ready
1: um, you know in hindsight when you you think how naive we were <laughs> like oh it's gonna be great it's fine <laughs> um, so I felt really ready for it actually and really prepared and uh, the pregnancy was by and large pretty smooth as pregnancies go no major worries um, but we did get a letter a couple of weeks before the birth talking about group B strep and the fact that they'd found um, my wife was carrying group B strep. And so we were quite worried, obviously started Googling. And sometimes when you Google, that is the worst because it tells you the worst, obviously. So we were told we'll get intravenous antibiotics during the birth. And that happened, but my daughter still contracted the infection. The infection is very serious. like one in 19 babies will die from it. One in 14 will have a very severe lifelong disability. So when Eleni was born, she was like, you know, grey. She wasn't breathing. She was just lifeless, you know. And my wife was bleeding out a lot. So obviously they had to, you know, resuscitate my daughter and, you know, suck fluid out of her throat with a straw and resuscitate her and, on one side of the room. And the other side, they're like figuring out what to do with this blood loss that my wife was experiencing. So um, yeah, we got we got rushed to the ICU and the ICU, you know, NICU, neonatal intensive care unit for babies. Like that's a whole world in itself, you know. And I always think, like right now, so it's ten o'clock right now. There's parents in a NICU in each of the hospitals around the UK, you know, experiencing something similar to that, to what we experienced and. I remember going going from the delivery room into NICU. went through this this white wall, this, this, this uh, this this uh, alley, this this route with white walls and it was like a pathway down to Nikku. And getting to NICU and still being in a shock and in a daze. And then the midwife just looking at me and like looking at me and like holding me and being like, Look, you need to come back. You need to come back in the room. Cause I I must I was, I was in shock. I didn't know what was going on. And I remember that moment of like, okay, I'm a parent. And like, she was telling me, you're a dad. You need to, you know, you're a dad now. You need to look after your, your child. And I was like, okay, cool. I need to, I need to come back in the room, come back in the room. And then I went into a side room. So we have in the morning, all the parents go into a side room where they gather and they wait for their private consultation. So it must be about six in the morning. So we're in this side room. And all the other parents are there, you know. Their children are in there because they're premature, or they've got the same infection, or they've got heart problems. You know, there's a variety of different things. And the parents in there, you know, the strength that they gave me just by just by role modelling how how they're behaving, but also just telling me, look, you need to advocate for your daughter. You know, you need to make sure she's getting the right care. That you understand what's going on. You understand the condition. The doctors going to be asking you about stuff. Like you need to come back into the world basically because I was just in a I was a mess and then going back into my private consultation my wife was in a wheelchair she was getting treated but she was in a wheelchair for a few days so I was wheeling her around seeing my our daughter in the incubator getting the treatment so I did lumber punches all that sort of stuff and then we ended up spending two weeks in the hospital um they gave us a, a room which was great so I didn't have to come go back and forth we got to stay in the same room and it was mad because every three hours or so they'd burst through the door and take one of them, even my my wife, and my daughter to, to NICU. Um, so every three hours around the clock, every three, like even throughout the night, it was just crazy. It was mad.
0: Oh.
1: And we finally got the good news that the infection was going down after a lot of up and ups and downs. But on that same day, Ellen got a bump in the back of her head, a big bump disappeared out of nowhere. And that's when the doctors were very, very concerned. I think with group B strep, GBS, they knew what that was, they knew how to treat it it's not always treatable like you know some babies do die from it but they know what they're doing they know how to diagnose this what the treatment is etc with this new bump they didn't know what it was so they were like very concerned about like a brain tumor or they were just basically preparing us for for the worst basically they didn't know what it was so we were booked in for an mri scan the next day and you know that night it was easily the most difficult night of our lives like we just cried We just cried for what felt like all night. I think it was. It was at least six or seven hours just crying and praying. And, you know, I I don't think I cried in my adult life up until then, to be honest. I can't remember the last time I'd cried from then. I can't remember the last time, you know, it must have been as a child. But just crying, right? The last two weeks, it all just came out. We had no more strength. We were just praying. There was a midwife called Nightmare who came to join us. And we just prayed with her. And, you know, we knew whatever news we were going to get the next day was going to be massive. So, they took a very MRI scan and waited back in our room. And we waited for that burst through the door. And when it came, the nurse came with a massive, like, her arms out like this and gave us a massive hug. Because we, we knew the doctors by then. We knew them pretty well. We we're like living with them for two weeks. And they they work hard, like, literally, nurses and doctors, they pretty much work around the clock. Like, it's, mm-hmm. they hardly go home. Like, they'll, they'll work like a 19 hour shift, go home to sleep and come back. So, we were pretty much around them 24 7 for two weeks now. So, we knew them pretty well. She came bursting through the door. And she's in tears and we're crying. And it's like, she's telling us it's okay. It's bone structure. You can go home. And, you know, so that was amazing. So we stayed for a couple of de- couple more days. And then went home. Um, but as paternity leave was in the UK, my paternity leave was used up in hospital. So I had a weekend, a couple of days, and then I was back into the office. Wow. So we'd gone from this massive, traumatic, like, you know, this 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 whirlwind of emotions and, traumatic experiences and the unknown and just being so tired and all that sort of stuff like just back into work basically (laughs) back into work and at home my wife was really struggling she was diagnosed with postnatal anxiety she's getting counseling she was um you know she was struggling to leave the house so some days I'd come home at 6 p.m she's still like packing the bag trying to get out for a walk um we were uh, we were in A&E probably most weekends, just paranoid. Like, any little temperature, any anything, any cough, we would just go to A&E. Like, we would just turn up at, like, 4am in the morning. Just, you know, that's, like, anything. For about two months, we were doing that. Like at least once a week. And, um, yeah, over the time, I started to become very anxious. Very, very anxious. Yeah. Um, like having panic attacks, having out of body experiences in work meetings. I remember there was one time. I went to work and I and I was going up through the lift, and normally I'd go up um, and greet my team, say hello, and how are you doing, and then go and sit down. I remember like walking up to the to the team, and then this girl called Haley saying hello to me, and I wanted to say hello back, but like I couldn't even talk. It's Like I was just mumbling. And I remember mumbling some words and sitting down and just thinking she must think I'm mad like I, <laughs> they're probably thinking what is going on like Eddie's not even talking like, I couldn't even talk properly I don't even know what I said but it was just I felt I felt like I was just mumbling something you know just mumbling words and I remember like a couple of weeks later being in a work meeting at the time I was the office manager for a director general in the civil service so my like stakeholders were directors very senior people and i i had to like advise them or talk to them about you know people issues risk management that kind of stuff and i had a risk risk thing i needed to talk to them about which is very very important and we were in our monday morning roundup meeting and we were just going around like giving updates and i knew i had to say this thing because it was integral to their work that week but when it was when it's come coming around to me i felt myself getting so nervous so nervous so nervous and then like it came to me I just couldn't say it. I couldn't say what I wanted to say. And I was like, oh, nothing, nothing for me kind of thing. And I'm thinking this, I actually need to tell them this. Like, this is important. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't know this. It might affect a lot of stuff. Like, this is serious. But I just couldn't talk. I couldn't even express what I wanted to say. Like, And I'd be crying on the way home. I'd be up all night. Me and my wife would be talking about the birth for months, just just up at 2 a.m., just talking about the birth, like, and uh yeah so it's difficult man and i was eventually diagnosed with ptsd kind of by accident but um yeah that's that's kind of like what kicked off all the all the work i'm doing now oh, i know you story. asked one question i have going to spoken for 10 minutes but you know. oh mate no i'm here for it mate.
0: <laughs> and uh yeah just you know thank you for sharing that story man i think a lot of people are going to really re- really you know relate to that i know i i know i certainly did um mm. but it's just uh yeah it's a lot hey it's a lot and when you were talking there about being at work that i really identified with that you know my problems with my mental health started after the um the birth of my son that was in 2016 and that for me it wasn't necessarily our birth was pretty straightforward really we were lucky on that but for me i had other stuff going on and it was the trigger it was the 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 bigness of the event and i remember similar things to walking around work being like a like a zombie you know one it one day I went and um I went to the toilet it was about like the middle of the morning and you know when I looked down I had odd shoes on and I'd like and they weren't even like they weren't even close to matching Elliot you know and I'd been walking around all day I was just like I just wasn't in my own life and um yeah yeah, so I really um I really get that man I really uh Mm. yeah yeah man um how did you go about getting that diagnosis because that's kind of like the Mm. first step to sort of um Getting some help and getting better is realizing that you were not well, and it sounds like you re- you knew that something wasn't right, but you weren't mm. quite sure what it was. Yeah, yeah. Funny for me, I didn't, I didn't actually go and get help. It was, it all
1: happened by accident, and it's so funny. You know, I'm talking now, and I kind of feel like I'm, I'm making light of it, and I think it's because you know I'm, I'm talking in this way, quite jovial. I think because I'm. I'm it's a lot it was you know six years ago now but also for me i i have to because i talk about this quite a lot so i have to kind of like be positive about it and try and put a, a positive spin and be jovial because I, I just wouldn't be able to talk about it every day you know so so i don't want an audience to feel like oh he's just like super super happy and, and laughing because it's serious stuff um but yeah it's just it's just my way of i guess communicating and, and getting through through yeah, my work same. which i love but it it's how I you know stay upbeat but yeah I think with um with me getting diagnosed it was by accident so what happened and I think one of, one of the, what I've learned is one of the kind of symptoms if you like of of a lot of kind of poor poor mental health especially depression can be PTSD as well is is overworking and is um trying to especially for men as well trying to ignore and push to the side what you're what you're dealing with and is pouring yourself into other things so rather than allowing your brain to, to 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 process this thing and and confront this thing you put your effort into other things you know so for me when my daughter was born I was just like working like a madman in terms of not just at work but working very hard at work but then also coming home trying to be super dad at home you know feed up a house to, to do everything which was it was good kind of, bonded with my baby and spent a lot of time with her and whatnot but trying to do everything at home is obviously aware of how my wife is doing as well so trying to be the best support there then also I started blogging I started music football fatherhood when my daughter was like three months I just started blogging like it wasn't anything big but it was just like you know just writing so night feeds or whatever or whenever I had a spare minute I would just be like just writing about fatherhood you know just paragraphs of stuff and then just just uploading it to like a WordPress website. <laughs> like, it <was> like <laughs> It's a WordPress website and just uploading it and just uploading thoughts and whatnot. And I was doing that for like, yeah, for for about a good like, you know, a year, I would say, um, just doing that. And then a mutual friend. So my best friend Jermaine, his his wife saw the blog and whatnot. And um, her friend was actually starting a magazine called Motherdom. And it was a mental health well-being magazine for parents and she was like wanting to get more voices of dads so she reached out to me and again it wasn't any for anything specific around my experience like she didn't know anything she just reached out oh you're writing about being a dad you know back in back in 2016 like it, it wasn't like it is now where so many people are talking about fatherhood and mental health so so um yeah, she reached out to me and we met up and i I I'll never forget this conversation we met up in, in actually westminster actually there where, where i was working and we just having coffee and whatnot. And then she started talking to me. And, and then she asked me about, like, how's it going? She asked me about the birth and stuff like that. And, like, I was trying to tell her the story. And I basically just broke down telling her the story. And it was the first time anyone had really asked about the birth for a good while. And I was struggling to talk to her. And it was just like, yeah, I was basically, I was just very honest and told her everything. And then she was like, look, talk to my friend who's a birth trauma specialist. She might be able to help you have a conversation. I had a conversation with her. And that's when I got the diagnosis, and that's where I got the the, the support through through her. So it kind of happened by accident, <laughs> you know. It wasn't me like, even though I knew there was something majorly wrong, and I knew it wasn't right. I didn't have a clue what PTSD was in 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 regards to birth. I thought PTSD was only something that you get as like a war veteran. Literally, that's all I knew about it. I knew nothing about male postnatal depression at all. So that was that didn't come into my mind. And I think sometimes like when you don't know what's going on, it kind of makes it even worse. So once I got the diagnosis and that, I was like, oh, okay, like I understand it now. It's this is what it is. You can label it. Whereas before it just makes it worse when you don't even know what's going on. So you just think, why am I? What is going on? Like and then you start worrying about that even more so than the original thing. So yeah, for me, just getting the diagnosis was good. And then getting obviously the counseling through there was really good as well. Um but yeah, it happened by accident, you know, and I think it's 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 very important to like raise the awareness of these things. So people are a bit more proactive in seeking the help earlier. Because you know I really should have got the support straight away, to be honest. And part of the reason why we do a lot of the work with the NHS is like look, dad's especially if their partner's diagnosed if they go through traumatic birth and had previous mental health conditions then this is a massive trigger and we should be like trying to spot it earlier and you know really truly, if i had like some counseling the week after we got home you know probably would have avoided a lot more if i had known maybe take some more time off work you know those sort of stuff like it would have helped in the long term but then i wouldn't be doing the work i'm doing now so you know i think everything happens for a reason in, in a way
0: yeah yeah true I kind of feel like that too it's um I think it's so hard isn't it because you know as as obviously there's all the the stereotypes and the stereotypes are a reason about men don't talk about how they're feeling and all that sort of stuff but so much of a, a rat when it comes around birth there's so much of the mental health stuff that kind of like bleeds into how you're feeling anyway so I, I always say I didn't say anything to my wife partly because I just watched her go through hell in the delivery room so how can I say to her oh I'm feeling a bit sad right but I didn't have the words because if I'd have said to her, I'm not feeling right. And someone had said to me, well, how do you feel? I'd have said, well, I'm, you know, I'm anxious, I'm tired, I'm scared. And they'd be like, yeah, you're a new dad. You know, mm. like it's, a, you know, and you say, no, it feels like it's more than that. And it's so hard to articulate how you're feeling because so many of these things, everyone feels to some extent mm. when you get that baby in the house, isn't it? And that that is it's really blurry around that time, I think
1: yeah you're right it is it is and i think yeah just being a new parent like it's it's um it can be you know for for some people very tough to to adapt you know to um to to your new demands on life i guess your life can, there's nothing that changes your life so fundamentally i mean there'll be other stuff in terms of sickness and health and whatnot and, and other things but but it's one of the main things in your life that shifts your life you know, you have, like, before being a parent and after. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, they're they're two very distinct periods. Like, And I think going through that shift, and I think, again, like we were talking at the beginning, for a lot of dads, we don't go through that process before the baby arrives. So when the baby does arrive, even if we have no additional mental health, like, you know, um, worries and conditions, when the baby does arrive, if we haven't done that thinking about how our life is going to shift. And the lucky thing for me, I actually did that. You know, so I was very prepared in some ways, I guess. Like, I wasn't prepared for obviously what was going to happen, but for, for, for being a father in general, I was very ready for that. You know, so I'd like, I'd done the work to understand that I'm not going to be able to do certain things anymore, that I might have to take a break from this and that. Like, I didn't have like the FOMO, the fear of missing out on anything. Like, I was very content with being at home and cocooning ourselves. Like, I was completely up for that. But, um, but yeah, it can be, it can be a, uh, or well, it is a massive life event. And it's so funny, isn't it? You know, we, we, will, we will approach some things with a lot of preparation, you know, and we will think about some things before we do them. Like, for example, you know, if you go into a new job, you might have an induction. You might have a, an interview with someone. Um, well, you have an interview to get the job. You'll, you might have to provide some references. You'll, you'll maybe do a tour before you start. Like, you'll have some time before you go into the job to learn the job. Maybe you'll shadow someone, that kind of stuff, like you know that's if you're going into a good job that's organized <laughs> you have those opportunities to do that. <laughs> um but we don't do that sometimes with fatherhood, right? We don't have any kind of induction or any kind of shadowing. We don't say actually, do you know what let me go and talk to my mate who's a dad and spend some time with him and his baby. Um or talk to them as a couple and figure out how they do stuff. You know, I don't we don't do the reading. We don't have the interview. We don't do that stuff. We just kind of go into it and like, oh actually my life's fundamentally changed and I didn't think about it enough so yeah it's tough it can be a tough time for people um of course it's an amazing time but it can be a tough time as well
0: yeah definitely that you know that's that's such a good point you know and I think that kind of like highlights the importance of the work that you do but I remember just I've got very clear memory of like the midwife we stayed in for a couple of days after my son and I remember the midwife saying right you can go now and I was like, Mm -hmm. like what do you mean I can go and they're like, you can just go. So like, what? Well, mm-hmm. like, I had to do a test before I could drive my car, and you're going <laughs> to give me this? Per- I was like, is there a DVD? Like, what? What do you mean? I can just go? And we, yeah. I couldn't even get the car seat out the car because I hadn't practiced. And um, yeah, I remember got home and he was asleep in the car seat, and we were just kind of looking at each other and look at and like, what? What now? <laughs> you know what now? But um, you know, like the work that you do, yeah. it kind of like it. Feels that gap doesn't it through like shared experience and through the talks yeah. and the workshops it lets people know what now and um you know that's why it's it's so so important so how did it how did it grow from from the blog how did it begin mm. to turn into this this platform so it started to turn in terms of like just people came on
1: board you know so when I first started this is the funny thing is that there was no business plan at all like there was no kind of like oh we're gonna do this and then this is the plan and it's like there was none of that it was what do I enjoy? Music. I met my wife in a band. We were in a band together. I love football, obviously. And I'm a father. Music, football, fatherhood. That makes sense. Like, let's just write about those things. <laughs> and it was very much a personal space on the internet, right? Of Just me, like, <laughs> my personal space. And again, having the PTSD, it was like, I can control this. I can't control everything else in my life right now, but I can control this little space. Like, this is mine. And I think that was, that was a major part of it. It was like, this is my thing. And I think... You'll, you'll see that when people are going through difficult times in their life, having control over something is so important. So for me, it was very much control over something that I could dictate. Um, so, yeah, it was just writing about that. It was just, yeah, just just writing. And um, then I think maybe like six, seven months in, a couple of dads uh, got involved and just started sharing as well, like a couple of friends, friends of friends that I knew. We're like, oh, this is cool. Like, can I write this? Oh, yeah, come on come write this. So like that grew. And then after a year, I thought, actually, do you know what? Like, let me take it off WordPress and let me make it like an actual musicfootballfather.com. Let me buy the domain name and stuff like that. So I did that. And then we had some um. So then actually, yeah, I had a, I remember this. I a week, I had a week off work. So this was maybe May 2017 now. I had a week off work and we were sitting in a coffee shop. Me and my wife were sitting in a coffee shop and we had our laptops out and whatnot and i was just like you know what? i'm gonna actually with this with this platform you know it's actually i think it, it could do something So i want to kind of get a bit more Make, raise awareness of it a little bit and whatnot and i started writing a press release and it just wasn't working it was just like so boring it's like this is no one's gonna read this it's just dry <laughs> and then then he was like oh like forget that why don't you just write about like you you know and you as a dad and how your life's changed and whatnot and I of course cool. so i wrote I wrote this piece basically a bit about being a black dad normally a black dad that is the only one at the baby groups um and just what it's like being a a, a dad who like at the time i wasn't working on fridays i'd have my daughter on fridays we'd go out on our excursions and whatnot and just i just reflected on that basically and it's weird i'm a, I'm a christian I, I you know i don't go to church as much as i could but i have a relationship with god or whatnot and i feel like i feel like god wrote that for me because i don't actually remember writing the article I wrote it in about five minutes. I don't remember like consciously thinking about it. Like and it was such a weird experience. I remember like my wife telling me, Oh, you should write. I remember sitting down and about 10 minutes later saying, Oh, what do you think of this? And she read it. And she was like, That's amazing. And I sent it to my sister. this was like, That's really good. And then Snelly so was like, Oh, you should send it to the independent. Like, have a look on online. There's there's a, there's like a there's an opinion piece section. She found the editor's email address on Twitter. And she was like, you should send it to them. So I sent it to them. This is about three o'clock in the afternoon. And within about 15 minutes, they got back to me. like, we want to publish it today. Wow. So I was like, okay, cool. And they were like, can you send us a picture? I sent them a picture. By the time I got home, which is like a half an hour journey, it was on the independent website. So bearing in mind, I'd been there. I wrote the article. I didn't know anything about how to get it into any platform. Within a couple of hours, it was on the independent and it was going viral. It was shared 20,000 times in the first day. Wow. Which was mad. So I went from like, you know, midday on a Tuesday, sitting there thinking, oh, you know, this press release ain't working, to the next day, seeing the independent numbers like going up 18,000 shares, 20,000 shares. blah, blah blah. It was mad. And then that is what kind of like really grew the platform to be something bigger than just me
0: mm.
1: and then we had some really good BBC coverage they came over to my house and they met a few of the dads as well Um, and they called us the mum's net for dads <laughs> which at the time was a good thing but now I'm not quite sure based on <laughs> the media narrative around mum's net but we'll see you know anyway so yeah they called us the mum's net for dads <laughs> and then from there it just took off really and then the team grew and then uh, we had you know like loads of dads wanting to get involved the team grew to about 20 there's 20 of us you know, core team of like contributors and stuff like that and so it really came from that from there in 2017 and over the time obviously as I said there was was no business plan so it took a while to to evolve you know I was still working full-time moving house obviously young family so it was just mad so it was something I was doing and putting as much time and effort into as I can but it still took us a while to actually figure out like, what are we trying to achieve here? Like, who are we trying to talk to? What are we trying to do? You know, um, what's our medium of communication? What is our way? How do we bring people together? How do we expand these conversations? What do we really want to be talking about? Like that took a while, I would say, um, a good, a good few years. And I would say it wasn't until maybe like 2020 really that we actually really got there in terms of okay cool we're about open conversations around fatherhood um we are about reflecting the diversity of fatherhood we are about doing that through content podcasts social media um blogs we are about community we do community events so we do that through um you know now we have partnerships with 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 arsenal and qpr and and brentford we do work in football we do dads do hair events we do events and in, work in, in a corporate workshop and stuff like that but that took a while to get together and then we had the book and then the documentary and then, so now, now it's like everything's come together and it's you know it's quite neat, but it's taken a while of just like trying to figure out like how what's, what is our message what do we stand for And I think for me it's taken it's taken me personally, I've had to grow. I think, because when you know, when I first started writing, it was very much just quite surface level stuff. You know, I think my first post was like, what kind of dad do you want to be kind of thing? It wasn't, they they we were not say surface level is probably the wrong thing, but it wasn't getting deep, really. It was more just reflecting on fatherhood. Whereas over the time, you know, we've got into raising a child who has autism of miscarriage, stillbirth, um, postnatal depression and getting... Deep into the core of the dad's experience of these very very real difficult but you know regular and common experiences that we just don't talk about enough and getting into the core of that and I would say our book is where we really really went deep you know Um, like for me I had to ask men to open up about the most traumatic parts of their lives and share that in a way they haven't spoken they haven't spoken about ever even to their partners or anyone in their life you know write this down let's get to the core of the experience of for example your partner having multiple miscarriages and you turn into alcohol and losing your job and then and, you know how relationship difficulties or talk to me about how you know your experience of your wife passing away during childbirth and now you're a, a single widow dad or talk about a relationship breakdown, and you walking into the sea in Brighton, and, and you know wants to, to to take your own life, and a suicide attempts in the bath, and how you're now the main carer for your children. Or you know, let's talk about this stuff. And so that's very much what we do. You know, we we try to to do that through all the spaces, whether that's a community event, whether that's um with our book, our documentary, our our online sessions whatever it is like it's the it's the the deep stuff like you know we're we're not really gonna talk to you about how to change a nappy like do you know what i mean like don't get me wrong we need that as you said we need to prepare and there are places where where you can get that information there's nct groups there's other places um that's not us you know we're we're not going to talk so much about the practical things for us it's about the emotion the feeling the ideas of masculinity and and manhood and how, and how that informs how you think about parenting. We're going to talk to you about work-life balance and do you feel empowered to put in a flexible working request and work part-time? How do you feel about taking shared parental leave? Like, how do you feel about not being the main carer in your home? How do you feel about going to the doctors? If you, if you feel like you've got something going on, you know, like that's, that's what we're here for. Um, But yeah, it's taken a while to get there. You know it has taken a while um but yes yeah, i'm'm I'm, I feel very blessed you know to be doing this work, and it's very good it's it's very overwhelming sometimes,
0: yeah, yeah, it's incredible mate it's incredible what you do, and I think that in those those harder stories, the more challenging stories, that's where that's where people feel seen, right that's mm. where the the, the guy is going through the hard time because it's so when you're struggling, it's so lonely and you're trying to hold it all together. And you're trying to still live up to these ideas of, you know, what it means to be a dad and what it means to be a man and all this sort of stuff. And you're holding it together and it's really lonely. And you think you're the only person that is going to, and just hearing one other person say, Oh yeah, this kind of happened to me too. It can change the game. Right. It's so, 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 um, so important. Yeah, definitely. Do you think like this either, I think like, even over the I've been a dad for six years now, six and a half years, and even like what it means to be a dad in that time, has changed but when we look back at like i'm gonna guess we're in a similar age bracket Elliot. but um yeah i'm 20 i'm 25 <laughs> yeah i'm 26 yeah. <laughs> but um you know if i had look- my beard yesterday so i haven't got any grays Ah,
1: yeah.
0: mate yeah so you do look 25 yeah is that is that a hint to get mine done <laughs> no, no, no 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 no
1: yours looks good mate it looks good Silver fox, go run it. Well,
0: it's Christmas. I'm going full full Santa, right? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> if we go like, um, you know, if we think back to our dads, like, yeah. you know, being a dad is changing, right? And it seems to be changing quite rapidly. I think is the point I'm trying to get to. Mm.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even for me, like my daughter's seven, and I think it is changing. And I think um, you know, there was a poll done the other day by a friend of mine called ian and he posted like what he does a lot of work around fatherhood as well and he was like what, what should we do like with stay-at-home dads do we do we celebrate them you know do we uh just not ignore them but just treat them you know not make a big deal out of it not trying to normalize it um and i was like i think for me we should support them because because i think they're e- even though dads are are more involved in their children's lives than ever before like we know that from covid and ons research the amount of time that dads are spending with their children now is the most ever in history which is great but there still is very much a very real and also a perceived stigma around dads being the main carer for their children you know just on um, tuesday i did a linkedin live with a lady called laura who i who i used to work with and she was talk- talking about her her career and the fact that she went back to work after her two kids were like six months old and her partner is now, is he's a stay-at-home dad. He doesn't work, he just looks after the children and the kids are now at school, but he's still the, the um, he's still a stay-at-home dad, basically. He runs the house, does the childcare, and all that sort of stuff. And she just talks about how, you know, he will get these funny comments, um, about oh you're not working uh, you know just this little slide digs and whatnot and yeah even though fatherhood has changed and, and we are we are in more involved and there is definitely a movement towards like equal parenting and stuff like that and we are big champions of that Like this, this, this stigma is still there so I think when I was talking about supporting dads it's not to like celebrate them that they're doing something amazing that is like so different and so unique but it's just to recognise that it's not always the done thing and sometimes to to come outside of the societal norm like you do need some some support in doing that you know um and it's a a balance because you don't want to celebrate it to the fact where you're not normalizing it but at the same time it's just recognizing that parenting is challenging anyway but especially if you're choosing to do something different like you probably will be on the receiving end of some comments from members of society even your own family you may have thoughts yourself around worth and value and all that sort of stuff um and you do need to hear from other people who are doing or considering doing something similar and and whatnot i think yeah parenting has evolved a lot you know there is um way more dads now talking and writing about fatherhood i think you know, we're doing something around the mental load next week. We know that even in couples that share care physically, that women still do the majority of the mental load. You know, and the mental load is crazy. We were talking earlier about just Christmas, right? And like emails, and it's funny you send your you send your child off to school with a cake and their their own clothes for a for a Christmas play, or and then they got the after school club after school like physically dads are doing a lot of that work, but in terms of like who has ironed and washed and thought about the outfit, who's got the cake from Tesco the day before, who has booked the after-school club and make sure it's paid for, like that is very much still sitting with the mum. So there is a conversation, I think, to ha- to be had around around that. But yeah, I think with, with um, probably it's changed. It is changing and it evolves. And that's a good thing. You know, it's a, it's a great thing. It is really good. I think that does mean that in in our circumstances, dads in the future will be more likely to like, you know, go and seek help and support for whatever like mental challenges they're, they're facing.
0: Yeah, definitely. I suppose if we're normalizing like one part of it, then we can normalize all of it, right? If you're yeah. going to normalize being a more like involved dad and, and normalize, yeah, getting help, getting help when you need it. And it's like anything, isn't it? When it changes, when something changes fast, it sometimes changes, it takes a little while for like society, I suppose, want be a better phrase to catch up, you mm. know, like, I am really fascinated by the relationships um, when I pick my kids up from school and the way that men interact and how women interact is, is like so different. Or if I, um, if I take one of my kids to a party, you know that's it's, blokes don't do so many parties and sometimes yeah. like i feel like they don't know what to do with me like they're all really nice like everyone's lovely and they're accommodating and it sounds but they're almost like oh we've had the same group of mums we've done every party for like three years all together same kids same mums, same places and all of a sudden yeah. like i kind of like stroll in like, all right and they just don't know they don't know what to do with me and like i said it's <laughs> yeah. all very lovely but yeah it's all those sorts of things isn't it that i suppose now needs to be more normalized yeah. as well as the experience but
1: yeah um, and there's so yeah. many reasons why and it's hard as a chicken leg thing isn't it because like I'm the same like you know with the with the parties me or my wife or sometimes we'll go together it's just whoever's available at the time it's they kind of like set who's same yeah whoever same. Parties, whoever's available but um I've definitely found that and it's about it's it's I use an example about um my my at my gym there's a Zumba class and my wife goes to it and I she invited me along so I went along I did it and I was the only man in the class and the teacher was like oh thank you for coming like we're trying to get more men involved But I can't lie, doing it, I kind of felt like I felt super awkward, right? Because I'm thinking, are they thinking I'm a weirdo for (laughs)
0: being? I'm like,
1: are they thinking I'm like a perv for coming to the zumba class? Like, I don't know that they're thinking that. They're probably not thinking that, but I'm thinking are they thinking that? And then, and then the, the the teacher's like, thank you for coming. So I'm like, okay, it's all good. I'm I'm here and whatnot. But I can't lie, being the only guy, I didn't feel that comfortable. And then I think I went back once again, but afterwards I was like, oh, do I really want to go again? Do you know what I mean? And then I think the thing is, because there's not enough men that go, the other men that, when they do go, they feel awkward. Even though they shouldn't feel awkward, but they do. And I think sometimes it's like that with the parties, a lot of the dads will fully think, oh, I'm going to be the only dad there. Like, just, you know, you go kind of thing. Whereas if we just said, you know what? Let's just all go. Like, let's just, let's just go. And then even if there's a couple of other dads there, it'll be kind and then you think oh actually yeah dads do go to parties and you'll so this takes for us like you know and I think I was into a podcast yesterday actually about the solution and it was some some women were talking about they feel like with a lot of these issues we are making I I didn't say we as in us but the general conversation is lean towards women fixing these issues and I heard that and I was like you know what that's 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 a fair point like I hope that that doesn't come across because that's not the message I feel like I'm sending out there my message is very much like we need to fix this ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Like we need to start going to the parties like and all the Zumba classes and not feeling like, oh, because I'm the only dad. It's a, because there's other dads that are home that are probably thinking the same thing. And we just need to take responsibility for this and own it and just be the one that's going to be like, you know, what? I'm going to go to the party. like And you'll see other dads and it'll be good. And you'll chat to the dad and probably make a new friend and have a great time
0: yeah that's it yeah everyone's a winner and it's the same isn't it it's the same with the mental health stuff you know like you know people um you know they're 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 reading the stuff that your guys are writing and they're seeing themselves in it and there's just i think i touched on it before there's so much power in it but someone's got to go first right and when someone goes first it's like an unofficial permission for everyone else to kind Mm. of to in their own way because they don't we don't all have to do it in the same way of course but Mm -hmm. there you go mate. we're approaching the hour mate. i'm conscious of your time today what have you got um what have you got coming up? What's what's plans for uh, MFF? So we have,
1: um, we have a lot more stuff in football that we're looking to do. So you know we have those partnerships with the clubs, which is amazing. You know our events at the clubs are just brilliant.
0: Yeah, let's Fantastic. let's what what goes on there, mate. We kind of uh, we touched over that before, but what sort of what sort of work is happening in those in those community groups with the football club? Yeah, so the events are called Extra Time.
1: And they are fatherhood-themed football conversations. Sorry, football-themed fatherhood conversations. <laughs> so we'll use analogies around football to apply that to, to men and dads and families. Like, you know, support. So if you're soccer, for example, you'll have jacker in your midfield probably telling you where to go. You might have your goalkeeper stopping any emergencies or crisis that happens. You'll have your manager helping to strategically help you to think about your role maybe your partner's at home the emotional support all that sort of stuff and it will say to the dads like what's your who's your team what's your five is high team you know how, how how do you confront your life's challenges who's on your side and getting men to write that down and we'll think about who's on your team and what role they play how do you build better relationships with those people do you have subs on the bench that you can bring on to help you unless you've got a new team you're playing you've got a different challenge you know what if one of someone on your on your team gets sick and you need to bring in someone else do you have that like so it's you know it's, it's just it's a good way of just having those conversations in a very iconic setting I and mean, obviously in a, in a in a um a topic that a lot of a lot of men love but yeah so we're doing we're doing a lot more in terms of like longer partnerships in football and we're speaking to like you know the premier league about how do we really embed this in in the community with the clubs and stuff like that so you know as someone that loves football like i'm super excited about that and that is very yeah very very special We've got a a follow up book that we're looking to, what we've started doing, which I'll talk to you about actually off air. Uh, It'll be good to like, yeah, see see how you can be involved in that. But it'll be like a sequel to Dad, which I'm super excited about. We are doing, you know, our online sessions. We do monthly online sessions called The Lodge on Zoom, which are free. And they are just monthly themed sessions. You know, they're very informal. Um, we'll probably get like a speaker down to talk about a particular topic, and just have breakout groups, and it's just a chance to like you know chat about about things with other dads. So in November we did, we actually did a prostate cancer session for November, um, and we had a urologist. They are doctors that specialise in like the urinary tract area, and she spoke about prostate cancer, the the risks. Um, we had a really good conversation. You know, it it always comes back to like ideas about masculinity, but you know, why don't men go to the doctors, for example, prostate cancer is now the most diagnosed cancer in the UK. But a lot of men just ignore it, you know, and Helen, the urologist spoke about in her practice, what happens on a regular basis is that men will be, you know, urinating a lot, they'll feel pain, they'll be waking up in the night to go to the toilet, they ignore it for months. And then one day, they just can't weep and then in a severe pain they get rushed to AE with a catheter emergency surgery she says that happens all the time all the time so why you know we just don't go to the doctor so so we, you know we had a conversation about that basically and it was it was deep actually a couple of dads I didn't know that came like they spoke about their dads recently being diagnosed and all that sort of stuff so you know things things come out so that was really good but yeah picking up um, with that stuff we are doing loads in the corporate space as well you know bringing this conversation into into the corporates so we work with loads of companies you know um a lot of companies that we, you wouldn't have heard of that do like construction work and and that kind of stuff but also you know like retail brands like marks and spencers and w smith we, we work with those to like bring this conversation into the workplaces but what i've realized is that like men are just in the spaces in the workplace so going to them is is going to where they are is a great is a great way um what else what else what else yeah i think that's about it just carry on doing what we're doing you know we launched relaunching the podcast in january as well um but yeah lots lots going on and i think for me sometimes it's not always about um the shiny new thing it's about just continuing to do what you're doing but doing it consistently and trying to 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 always you know get get better at it you know um have deeper conversations it's not about numbers for us but it's about how the 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 quality of the of the experience for for people um oh yeah the other thing i should talk about we're the co-founders of the working dads employer awards so we launched that in parliament in may with um the university of birmingham so we'll be doing that again next year and that is celebrating the employers that are like doing really good stuff around fatherhood so you know creating safe spaces for conversations introducing extended paternity leave um role modeling good flexible working that kind of stuff so so yeah we'll be doing that again next year
0: mate that's incredible because yeah. that's such okay. a big that's a really important part of the conversation isn't it and you know I'm not gonna take you down that rabbit hole now mate but um <laughs> that's, a <whole laughs> <separate conversation. laughs> that's a whole different there's a whole conversation but yeah so you know just that you're out there and um yeah just to have you thinking about these things and and meeting dads meeting men where they're at that's so important that's so mm. important and i think what i think what we're learning about this conversation is um telling men to speak up th- th- doesn't work you know it doesn't you can't just tell someone to speak it's not how it works and you know men are willing to speak it's, there's just got to be the right environment there's got to be the right person to listen there's got to there's all these complexities and it, you know and like yeah it's just wonderful to know that you guys are out there and as a dad who Um, yeah, you know, still learning to be a dad and, you know, Mm. all the mental health stuff that came with it. And like, yeah, like I just, it's such an important resource and it would have been invaluable to me at the time. So I'm sure it's invaluable to so many people, mate. So uh, there you go. But thank you so much for your time today, mate. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, all the best of all of it, man. Thank you. Cheers, man. Uh, It's been a pleasure. It's
1: been really, really good. Really, really good. And last thing I should say as well, Mm. Our documentary Becoming Dad is on the iPlayer until February, I think it is. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. It's all about dad's mental health and, uh, yeah, uh, and us campaigning with government and NHS about more provisions and support around dad's mental health so yeah check that out becoming dad on on iPlayer as well mm, I'll, I'll put all the
0: links put all the links in the notes man I watched that as um as prep for this well I've watched mm-hmm. it first time around that's how I kind of found out about you and then I watched it again as, as prep for this and it's a it's oh, a wonderful did. watch yeah yeah it's been thank a beautiful you. Thank thing you.
1: But, but, um, yeah no it's been good I've, I've enjoyed this conversation it's been um very relaxing and a good
0: experience so yeah thank good. you that's what on. we want it's oh great. mate thank you cheers man A big up to that proper mental podcast. <laughs> A podcast. A proper mental podcast.